Hi, this is Anna, and this is Check It at the Round Table, where we discuss movies, books, music, and stuff. Today, we are discussing a currently on-air Taiwanese drama series. As you know, I have a special place in my heart for Taiwanese drama. I don't know why, it just really jives with me well. I think it's because in Taiwanese drama, the humor is quite funny, usually. Now, sometimes it's a little too slapstick for Anna, but it's usually kind of a quiet humor, which is kind of something down my alley. Also, there's kind of an innocence to the stories. I mean, it's like people haven't... I don't know how to say it, but it's different than like American or British drama. It's kind of... It's not childlike at all. That's not what I'm saying. But it's like people still have a part of themselves that hasn't been touched by, like, the world throppling them. I don't know how else to say it nicely, but I'm just saying, you know, most dramas, everyone's kind of had their life ran through the ringer, or they know what life is like to run through the ringer. And in Thai drama, Taiwanese dramas, it's like, yeah, bad things may happen, things may go wrong, but they still have a childlike nature that they come to the plate with that is different than any other kind of dramas I've ever seen. The drama that I'm reviewing today is called Be Loved in House, I Do. It has a beautiful, if you like, Asian pop music soundtrack you can listen to all online by an actress and artist named Amy, who also stars in the drama. You can see her. She is the woman in the coffee shop um, who works as the assistant throughout the series. And I believe I'm currently on a reminder because they're still releasing the music videos, but you can listen to the music even without the music videos. Um, I think the two of three have been released, but the final one's going to be released like a couple days after the drama finishes airing in the end of July. This is a very long drama series. It's taking about three months. Now, the episodes are about 23 minutes each, and it focuses on a jewelry company that specializes in basically wire-wrapped and very ornate metallurgical jewelry art. It really doesn't focus too much. I mean, it's set in the office of the shop, but we really don't get a lot of discussion on what goes behind the jewelry making. It's mainly like the conversations of people on their daily lives, not on making their art designs and jewelry. No offense. I wish we had more because I used to do jewelry design and knew a silversmith, and it's really interesting work, but they don't cover it very much in this job. I'm just saying it's kind of, kind of a lot down there, but, you know, we can't have everything. So anyway, if you guys have seen number one for you and fighting Mr. Second, this story kind of has the same two main characters in their components in this drama. Now, I will say number one for you and fighting Mr. Second are whether this drama pales in significance, and it's no offense, you really can't compare the two because of who wrote fighting Mr. Second and Rich, number one for you. I mean, she wrote history to right or wrong, and yeah, she's brilliant. I'm just, so I don't know who wrote this one, but it, it just doesn't compare. But the same characteristics of both the main characters of Gao Shidi and Zhao Shui are in the main characters in this drama. What happens is the company is having trouble, and so it is bought out by a man named Jin Yuzin. And Jin Yuzin comes into the company the first day, and he 
comes in as one of the co-workers is proposing to the other co-worker. Now, I don't know why, on in an observation standpoint, it was really bad timing for the proposal. I mean, the first day you're new to your colleague, not really a good way to meet the boss, perhaps. I'm just saying it doesn't maybe set the professional vibe we're going for. So anyway, but everyone in the office is pretty laid back, and then they meet Jin Yuzin, who is like the opposite of laid back, okay? But Jin Yuzin walks in. He puts a big poster on the board, 8.5 by 11, that says, we have a new rule in this company, only one. If you are currently dating someone in the company, please stop dating someone in the company. If you are married to someone in the company, then please quit the company because we're not going to have couples in this company. And then he walks to his office and everyone's a little um, flabbergasted by this because number one, there's not that many people in the company. There's like four people. And number two, it's a rather um, stark impression to make on your first day as supervisor. I'm just saying it's maybe not the best way to greet the public. But I don't think um, Jin Yuzin really thinks about how he relates to people very well in general. So anyway, the head worker in the company, whose name is, I'm sorry, I'm terrible with names, Shi Lai, I think is his name. But anyway, he's kind of the head who kind of looks after everybody in the company, kind of a big brother figure. And um, he walks in with that piece of paper and says, what in the heck are you doing? And why are you doing this basically on your first day here? People are going to be having trouble with you probably already because you just took over the company from our boss. And this is not a good way to make impressions. And this is not a good way to keep people who are already here. I mean, you know, I have to say he had some valid points. But um, at the end of the day, the other person says, um, Jin Yuzin says, you know what? I don't care what everyone thinks. This is my rule. And if you don't like it, you can go. I'm the one that's paying for everything here. And so at the end of the day, Shuli walks out very angry and ends up going with the woman who was getting ready to be proposed to to the coffee shop where she completely gets knockered on wine. I mean, she must have drank a lot of wine because I don't think it's very easy to get drunk on wine. I mean, I'm sure it's entirely possible. I've seen it sometimes, but it's like, it's not easy. So she drank like three bottles of wine or four bottles of wine all by herself because she's angry at Wang, the person who she was going to marry, because he ran off totally freaked out when he saw the sign and he was holding the engagement wing in his hand and on one knee. So he just ran out of the office. And she's like, you know, um, talk about um, a wimp, um, you know, and then she says some things that really aren't flattering to him in the coffee shop when she's drunk. And um, both Shi Li and the two people that run the coffee shop are going, oh my goodness. And so we also meet um, the character of the assistant of the coffee shop, who is the one who does the music throughout the film in this um, next part. And we also meet the coffee shop owner, who is a really nice person. And he just sits there as she's drunk. And the assistant's going, what should we do? And he says, you know what? She'll be fine when she throws up. And then Sheely's going to just take her out of here and it will be okay. Well, and you know, he stays really calm throughout the whole thing. I think the thing I like most about him is he's a very, very calm individual. He's like, you know, just, um, you know, I don't know. But anyway, so the character of the woman who did not get proposed to and is very mad about it ends up 
Maggie's throwing up. Sheely helps her get back where she needs to go after making sure she's somewhat cleaned up. And then he goes back to his home going, you know, it was a really bad day. I had the new um, supervisor. I had to take my friend and coworker home after she threw up all over. You know, it's just not a fun job. <laughs> And he goes home to his home that he shares with um, the newest person who's the in the employee, whose name is Shikui. And Shikui has his suitcase, a file box, and his backpack, and is standing outside the house with Jin Yu um, there. And he's going, he's kicking Shikui and me out of our house on the first day. I mean, could this really get any worse? And, you know, I, I'm, I know it probably could have gotten worse, but it really is kind of like the nadir of bad days. I mean, you go to work, have everybody get unsettled, find out your boss is not going to work well with others, and then you have to clean up your coworker from throwing up because she drank too much and also kind of embarrassed herself and everyone else in the coffee shop that you regularly frequent. And then you come home to find out you are at least your coworker that you've lived with for a while is being kicked out of your apartment. So anyway, he comes in and he goes, what is going on? And she goes, well, um, I'm being told I'm being evicted. And um, Shili's like, you're not evicting Shikui. And if you evict Shikui, I'm leaving too. And Shikui's like, no, no, you don't need to do this, Shili. I'm going to go stay with friends tonight. There's no reason to make this like the line in the sand here. We don't need to do this on the first day. I'm sure we can, you know, calmly figure this out another way. So Shili gets in a cab, supposedly to go to his friends. You find out that none of his friends will either pick up the phone or let him come stay for one night. And he does not have funds for a hotel. So he's sitting there going, what am I supposed to do? I mean, the next day, um, the manager has agreed to get him um, a stipend and put him in a new apartment all on his own, not through the company, because he wants to stay in the house that Shikui and Shuli were staying in. And so he will take care of it, but, you know, there's this night that you have to deal with. And so he ends up in the park sitting on a swing set with his suitcase beside him and his file folder box and his, like, knapsack looking very forlorn, cross-legged, just swinging on the swing at, like, I don't know, midnight. And the coffee shop owner comes walking by in the park, and he's like, what is this kid from the jewelry company doing sitting on the park swing set with his suitcases by him. So he walks up and he goes, Are you okay, Shikui? It, it's really late. Are you going to go home? And he sees the suitcases and he goes, Were you um kicked out of your apartment? He said, You know, do you not have a place to stay? And the kid's like, um, I'm, I'm okay. And so the coffee shop owner kind of takes a look at the kid, a look at the suitcases, grabs the duffel, and just marches off and says, come on, you're, you're going to come to my apartment for today. We'll deal with the rest later, but you're not going to spend the night in the park here in midnight. And I don't know if they're in Taipei or wherever. But anyway, so Shikui kind of goes back home with the coffee shop owner and Shili ends up going into the house to get all his stuff, which is about one suitcase, four file folder boxes, and a bag. And he's bundling up to leave. And then he opens his fridge, and he sees a sign on it. And it says, it has new house rules. And he's like, you know what? I've just had it up to here with elves. We have the rule at the office now. You can't date anyone. You can't marry anyone. It doesn't matter if they're in-house, out-house. It 
just doesn't matter. You can't be with them. You have to be a single monk to work at the jewelry shop. And, um, you know, maybe it helps you concentrate more as they sing Cranford. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm losing it here. I'm thinking of the lace and Miss Pole, and it's just, yeah, anyway. But moving on. So, you know, Sheely has had it up to here. He opens his fridge. He sees that Jin Yu has separated all the food down the middle of the fridge, moving all his food to one side, stacking it, and making sure that all his food is on the other side. He also reads that there is now new rules that in you cannot have anyone over for the night. You, um, your, your bedrooms are private areas. No one can come into any of the rooms, uh, bedrooms without knocking. And you have to mop the floor after showering in the bathroom. And he's like, you have got to be kidding me. He's like, number one, why would you go into someone's bedroom without knocking anyway? Number two, you know... You find out later, Sheely Lee's mom often comes to visit him, and he's like, where is my, my mom's not going to be able to stay here anymore? And then he's like, you know, this is just ridiculous. I'm so glad I'm moving. And so he kind of has this little um, tete-a-tete, if you will, with you, Jin Yu, saying, you know, you don't really understand life, or you would not be this obsessively idiotic in your lists. <laughs> And, I mean, he says it a little nicer than that, but not much. And anyway, they kind of get into this little tussle, and Shuli ends up nearly falling. I, I really don't get this part of the drama series, no offense. It, it is somewhat typical of certain BLs, and this is one thing that I do not like about them, is they end up, one almost falls, the other has to grab them, and then they look at him like, what are you doing here, you idiot? So anyway, but that's kind of how the whole episode closes. And this episode is an interesting one. I would say I like everything but the end scene because no one ever ends up tipping over in their kitchen. I mean, it really doesn't happen that much. Or if it does, there's no one there to help. I mean, no offense. I mean, even if you live in a house full of people, the odds of you falling when someone's there are very unlikely. So I'm sorry, that just seems a little statistically anom it's a statistical anomaly. But anyway, I digress. I did like this episode. I also think it kind of, as a viewer, you know that the reasons that Jin Yu is behaving the way he is, you find out later on as the story progresses, is he actually bought the whole jewelry shop so that he could be closer to Shi Li because he likes him as a person because he, he thinks he's kind of like a little fox in that he's constantly curious about things and not completely... How do I say this? He... <laughs> Shuli is the kind of person who, I guess, in this story, the thing he is known for is he will confess his love to someone, and then the person always says that they don't like him, but that doesn't keep him from persisting. He kind of reminds me of, like, a more likable form of Lumiere from Belle, Beauty and the Beast. I mean, I always liked Lumiere as a kid because, you know, Lumiere was way too romantical, but he had such a spirit of hope in everything that he did, even if he had no chance of success, it's like he would still go ahead and go, and I mean, as, you know, perhaps lame as that might be in the end, because, you know, logically there was very little likelihood of success, there's something admirable in someone that continues to try, even if they continue to fail. I mean, you know, it's about doing your rut well, and persistence is a, is a very likable characteristic in individuals and characters. But anyway, I think that's one of the things that you do like about Shuli is even though he might act a little cranky, even though he might do things that are not very nice to um, 
Yu Jin or Jin Yu, which, you know, I do have to say, Jin Yu really didn't set himself up for people treating him particularly well in office or out of office. I mean, I'm just saying. But I think the thing that you find out as the story progresses is I think it's interesting how, you know, even though you, Jin Yu is a very difficult character. He's not an easy person to be around. He tends to, you know, be very standoffish, make people's lives more than a little difficult unnecessarily. You do find out, I think, that the reason that he does that is because he has been basically kind of beat up pretty bad in his personal life, and it really made it so that he didn't reframe positively with other people. Um, like, at the final episode that has so far aired, episode 7, there's a scene where Eugene has been really treating the people at the company not very nice, and they unfortunately also retaliated similarly in that they made him finish an order up for the proposal instead of them doing it, even though they really didn't have a lot of work. Now, in real life, I don't really think this would work out too well because I've never been in a company where if you told your supervisor you wouldn't do a job, you wanted them to do it, the supervisor just looked at you and went, oh, okay. Um, the supervisor would look at you and go, oh, you're fired and your paycheck will be sent to your house. I mean, no offense because that's kind of what a, I, I don't mean a word, all the supervisors I've had are excellent, but they wouldn't put up with that kind of um, behavior at all. So it's not very realistic. But anyway, you, Jin, ends up finishing up a proposal and working himself completely to the bone. And Sheely, you know, despite being the one who made that all occur, realizes that what he did was wrong, which I think is kind of what makes Shuli a more interesting person because there's a lot of people that will do something because they're ticked off at someone, but there are very few people that will do something and sit there and go, I screwed that up. Even though I was ticked off at that person, I shouldn't have done X. And Shuli ends up actually going back home to his apartment, um, leaving his mom to go take and visit his dad's grave for the year, because it's a yearly thing they do in Taiwan is to visit the grave of those they care about. But he ends up not going. He ends up going back to the apartment to check on um, Yujin, or Jin Yu, I'm sorry, and finds out that Jin Yu has been eating something that must have bothered him because he has a very severe nickel allergy. So he, if he gets the wrong kind of food, he ends up becoming kind of incoherent because he really does get seriously sick. So the day before, Shi Li had been feeling bad about how he'd been treating Jin Yu. So he decided to clean out the fridge of his food that he normally eats and just eat that he knows isn't good. So if Jin Yu by accident grabbed something from his side of the fridge to eat, it would not give him a reaction. Well, he comes home and finds out that despite his best efforts on that front, Jin Yu is really, really sick and very, very itchy and kind of incoherent because he did eat something he shouldn't have eaten when he was really tired from working on the proposal that really she should have been working on. And it's a kind of a neat scene because you get to see at the very end of episode seven, Sheely go, you know what? He doesn't apologize for making him work on the proposal. But what he does do is he sits there and goes, what did you eat? You're already incoherent. I cleaned out the fridge so you wouldn't get sick from the food and you still didn't eat something right. And um, Eugene looks at him and, or Jin Yu looks at him and goes, you know, 
I'm I'm from Krypton, like you said. I don't know how to eat properly sometimes, and I screw it up. And then um, Sheely looks at him and goes, you don't know how to speak properly either. And you, Jinyu, I'm sorry, I keep thinking the name. Jinyu looks at him and starts to weather, kind of walk away because he does not handle this kind of back-and-forth banter, right? He doesn't know if people are being serious or joking. And Sheely stops him. He literally grabs him and says, you know what? I'm joking. Sit down. Let me see what we can do to get you feeling better. And I think that scene, I mean, that dealing with the issue at hand and setting it down, and even when you're not comfortable with something, sitting there and saying, you know what? I was joking. I didn't mean to make you feel bad, okay? And that little bit of conversation there, I think mended a lot. I mean, I think if people just knew what maybe a two-minute conversation of saying one thing would do, it would change the world. It would, you know, bring peace to certain countries. If people could just sit down and look at the other side and go, you know what, in this case with Jinyu, yeah, you're a jerk. Yeah, you come at life with, you know, both barrels barreling, and it makes people really uncomfortable to be around you and makes them rude to you. But you're hurting, you're sick, you don't feel good, you ate the wrong food even though the right food was in the house. You know, that happened, so let's deal with this now. And let's not even worry about what's happened, you know, in the past that's made me really, really mad about it. Let's deal with what's in the present. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that's really good with Shili as the story progresses, because he is kind of the big brother character. He sits there and goes, you know what? The kids, the kids are kind of crazy sometimes. The kids, you know, they might say something stupid. They might even behave in a crazy way. And I might be one of them on some days. But you know what? At the end of the day, what they need is to know that it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. And yeah, I might say something that they take wrong. And they might take something that I take wrong. And it's okay. And you know, I think that's what's going to be really neat to see as this series progresses is how people come to understand each other in ways that they didn't before. Because, you know, I think in in all kinds of relationships, and not just romantic, although this one does tend to go more romantic as it progresses, but in all relationships, I think, you know, initially oftentimes our suppositions about people, our first impressions, as Jane Austen wanted to call Pride and Prejudice, you know, aren't always the best. I mean, you take one look at Jin Yu and you go, wow, what a cranky guy. He needs to, you know, go get some therapy. And yeah, that might entirely be true. You know, a good counseling session could have done the man a world of good. But still, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, maybe what does the person better is to let them know that, yeah, you cleaned out your fridge of the food that could have made them sick. You care enough about them to go, you know what, I'm going to ease that little bit of the puzzle. It's not going to fix everything, but it's going to be like that olive branch, that metaphorical peace offering, you know, in the house. And you know what, it's interesting to see as this progresses how Jin Yu gradually calms himself down. He doesn't remove the singles um, rule at the moment. You know, it's still up there blaring for people. But he does calm down. He does remove, like, three of the things on the list for the house rules because at the end of the day, he um, does let Shuli's mom come stay with them. And he does, you know, lax on a couple of other things. I don't think he makes Shuli wipe the map the bathroom floor every time you take a shower. I mean, that's a little obsessive. I'm all for being clean, but 
really. But anyway, so, you know, it's interesting to see as this show progresses how he gradually becomes a little more interactive with people and also how people develop and morph. And so, anyway, that is my review of Beloved in House Episode 1. Check it at the round table. This is actually a Vicky original, Vicky Rukatan original, so you can only watch it on Vicky. It has English subtitles, which are, for the most part, pretty good, although I will say they removed some of the English subtitles on the last episode they did, which made it a little more difficult to understand. I'm just saying. I watched it when they first put up. All the subtitles are there. I've watched it since. And the um, some of them are gone, which is kind of unsettling. But anyway, it's available in like over 13 languages now with subtitles. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. I will say this is not the same quality of production as Fighting Mr. Second, number one for you. And it does have some of that slapstick humor, which I don't mean it weird. It's kind of iconic in a lot of Asian dramas, I'm just saying. But I still enjoyed it because it kind of gives you the same vibe as My Engineer, in that, yeah, there are some silly parts, but you still enjoy it because the meat of the story is interesting, and it's neat to see how the characters develop. And with that is my review of Beloved in House. I do. Check it at the round table. Bye!